This is City Journal Midday News for Triple R with Matilda Lloyd, Olivia Condis and James Gaunt. There were 603 new COVID-19 cases in Victoria in the past day, the first time the state has recorded more than 600 cases since August last year. One person with the illness has died, a woman in her 70s from Melbourne's northwest. Another 10 people with the virus have died in New South Wales. One was a woman in her 90s from Western Sydney, the third death linked to an outbreak at an aged care facility. New South Wales have reported 1,022 new cases. More regional areas will be plunged into a seven-day lockdown this evening, including Byron Bay. Police have set up barricades across Elizabeth Street in the city as protesters gather for a second day, angry about the Andrew government's mandatory vaccination requirement for construction workers. Groups of people, many in high-vis clothing, have gathered at nearby intersections with reports of flares being set off. As Joe Mizuraka reports, the government has now shut down the entire construction sector for two weeks following yesterday's violent scenes. The CFMEU building in Melbourne was targeted by angry mobs on Monday afternoon. While many claim to be from the construction industry, key union officials say large numbers were anti-vaccination protesters, not workers. Secretary of the ACTU, Sally McManus, says the anti-vaxxers have been prompting the protest all day on social media. There were construction workers there, but um, the violence was led by extremists um, from far-right groups and anti-vaxxer groups. Um, That was absolutely disgraceful. Ms McManus says the employers should encourage their workers to get vaccinated. Danny Hunter from the Property Council says they're disappointed by the state government's decision to temporarily shut down the sector. The protests simply do not represent the views of the construction sector. The construction sector employs 300,000 Victorians and this is a small minority that is completely uh, out of order. Ms Hunter says the feedback they've received is is that the majority of people in the construction industry are keen to get the jab. Joe Mizaraka, City Journal News. The United States will ease tough travel restrictions and reopen borders to fully vaccinated air travellers in November. Non-citizens from 33 countries have been barred from entering the US due to COVID, including Britain, China and India. The White House announcement came after President Joe Biden's administration said they were not planning to lift any restrictions as COVID cases in America rise. The restrictions did not prevent Australians from travelling into the country, but authorities there are directing American citizens to reconsider travelling to Australia. World First Research has found infants showing signs of autism are two-thirds less likely to be formally diagnosed after undergoing parent-led behavioural therapy. The global study was carried out by Western Australia's Telethon Kids Institute. Leader of the international research team, Professor Andrew Whitehouse, says it's now clear the development of infants at risk could be altered with early support. We think is a critical opportunity to develop new clinical models that identify babies showing early signs of autism and provide very early intervention to support their longer term development and ultimately help each and every baby reach their full potential. The National Territory at Tertiary Education Union is pursuing RMIT University over allegations it's underpaid some staff for nearly a decade. A number of other high-profile Victorian universities are caught up in similar disputes. The RMIT claim could cost the uni millions of dollars in back pay. Lecturer Nadia David is vice president of the union's local branch 
She says RMIT staff, especially casuals, are disgusted with their continued poor treatment. Over the last decade or more, casuals have essentially propped up the university given its pursuit of this capitalist model of university education where they try to hire as few ongoing staff as possible and plug the gaps with people who are essentially living hour-to-hour pay-to-pay. $50,000 in state government grants is being made available to encourage multicultural and multi-faith communities to stage more festivals. The new money is designed to help communities further celebrate and share their culture in 2022. Muslim cultural festival Salam Fest organiser Aisha Bucks says she's looking forward to the return of more events next year. I am so excited. I just can't express it. I'm going to burst with excitement if I just can't wait to see people, to feel people. People are really starving for that. Families today are enjoying one of the biggest celebrations in the Chinese lunar calendar, the Mid-Autumn Festival. Emma Hartley has more. Lockdowns may have prevented the usual social gatherings for the Mid-Autumn Festival, but there's still great demand for the traditional fair. The festival's main culinary staple is a dense pastry known as mooncakes. A more desserts owner, Erin Tan, sold out more than a week ago. Uh, yeah, and we have also opened up more dates after the mooncake festival, which is end of uh, this week and also next week. And we are this week is uh, full already, end of this week. And then next week, which is the 1st and 2nd of October, we are still taking order, but it's almost there. Other ways of celebrating the festival include drinking Osmanthus wine and hanging lanterns. Emma Hartley, City Journal News. The National Gallery of Victoria has announced a digital walkthrough of their Impressionist exhibition to be held online on October 3rd. The exhibition contains 100 works on loan from Boston's Museum of Fine Arts, but was open for just 30 days between lockdowns. For many, the online presentation will be their only chance to see the collection which will debut on the gallery's Facebook page. Senior curator Dr Miranda Wallace says staff were excited to present the exhibition before it returned to Boston. My colleague Ted and I do a kind of tour of the show, leading you through the exhibition spaces and we talk about them. So hopefully that combined is a really good experience for people. And in sports news, NBL player Ty Webster has been cut from New Zealand breakers after he refused to get a COVID vaccine. Due to travel restrictions, it's looking likely the breakers will begin next season in Australia, meaning the basketballer's stance on the vaccine will limit his ability to travel freely. The 26-year-old only signed a two-year deal with the breakers in July. To cricket, England has now withdrawn from their joint men's and women's tour of Pakistan next month. It follows New Zealand's decision last week to abruptly pull the plug on their tour of Pakistan due to security concerns. Cricket Australia will monitor developments in Pakistan before it makes the call on whether next year's tour will go ahead. And today, the Australian women's cricket team is meeting India for the first time since the T20 World Cup final. The multi-format series is being hosted in Queensland's city of Mackay, kicking off with three one-day matches. Now to Melbourne's weather. It'll be cloudy with showers easing, a top of 13 degrees. After an overnight low of eight, it'll be another cloudy day with a high chance of showers, a slightly warmer top of 18. This has been City Journal Midday News for Triple R with Matilda Lloyd, Olivia Condis, 
and James Gaunt. 